The resurrection of Jesus changed everything. Last week we had Easter Sunday. I loved Easter Sunday. It was awesome. We had all these people in our house, right? All these people coming to celebrate resurrection. Some of them were here and they didn't know what we were talking about. Today, I want to talk a little bit more about resurrection because resurrection is not just a Sunday. It is a season. And more than a season, I don't know if you knew this, but Easter Sunday kicks off resurrection season. And then resurrection is a lifestyle. There's a way of thinking about resurrection that changes everything in our lives. There's a way of thinking about resurrection that changes the way we approach problems in our lives, the way we approach struggle and difficulty and the, the feeling like we've lost something. Listen to me, friends. Resurrection changes everything. Because think about it. If, if death is now defeated, if death cannot defeat you, anything's possible. And some of you don't believe me. Some of you are like, yeah, tell me more. Here's the thing. If death is not the final victor, if when you come to the end of your life, that's not all there is, then anything is possible. Any healing, any transformation, any work of God can come into your life, into anyone's life, if they'll only Receive it. And that's what it is. Today we're going to water baptize people, and this is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's an awesome display, and a bunch of people are going to go into this tank today because they've come to the end of themselves, and they're ready to enter into a new kind of life. And I want to talk about that because... You know, sometimes I fear that as Christians, we forget what this is all about. It's easy to go on about your life and try to handle things yourself. It's easy to think that if something needs to be fixed, you got to fix it. It's easy to think that you're in charge of everything and you're trying to figure it out. And if you don't figure it out, nobody will. Resurrection life is different. The kingdom of God ushers in a new way of thinking about life, a new paradigm, a new way to consider what is possible. Maybe you'll believe me by the end. We forget that the kingdom of God functions differently than the life we normally live. You see, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we have no hope. That's what the scripture says. We might as well just live it up, have fun now, because this is all there is. There is no better life that you can find. It's only what you can create. But Jesus did die. He hung on a cross almost 2,000 years ago. He took the sins of the whole world, your sin and my sin. He took it upon himself, and he died in our place. He died so that the separation between us and God, the gap that is there because of sinfulness, could be closed. And it was closed for all who would believe. And not only 
did the cross deal with our sin, but three days later in the grave, Jesus went, but in the grave, he began to go down to the depths. The Bible says to proclaim liberty to the captives. And on the third day, he rose from the dead in Holy Spirit power. Power over death. That's what this is. That's what we're talking about. The great Billy Graham, evangelist Billy Graham, he said this. He says, there's more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than there is that Julius Caesar ever lived. (laughs) Or that Alexander the Great died at the age of 33. Now, I'm no historian, but Billy Graham's pretty reputable. There's an even greater indication of resurrection, life, and power than historical evidence, of which there are many keys, many, many options for you to look up the physical evidence that exists about Jesus. It's a lie that there's no historical evidence. It it, it is provable. But the thing that makes the difference is personal transformation. When people change, when people are one way and then they meet the master, the savior, the resurrected one, and they meet him and something changes on the inside and now it's different. And they're different from the inside out. Think about the original followers of Jesus, right? A bunch of misfits, a bunch of dudes, fishermen, tax collectors, people that other people didn't like. This this was not an all-star cast and Jesus picked them for a reason. They needed to change. Just like you and me. Peter's a perfect example. We talked about him last week. When Jesus was being arrested, the guy denied he even knew Jesus. And he runs off like a coward. He was a coward. He liked to talk big, but he was a coward. But then after, after Jesus' resurrection, after he witnessed the resurrection of his friend, of his mentor, he realized he was his savior. And after the resurrection, Peter preaches courageously to thousands of people who decide to believe. And, and even he, Peter even performed miracles, miracles that, that, that went through him as he prayed for people. This is the guy who always put his foot in his mouth. One time Jesus even called him Satan. He said, get behind me, Satan. Listen, when Jesus calls you Satan, that's a bad day for you. <laughs> Peter, was, Peter was this perfect example of life change. Somebody who was one way, and then suddenly they were different. One of the, uh, there's multiple stories all across the landscape of One Chapel over the last 12 years of people who've changed. One of them is named Ronnie Thompson. He's a head usher. And some of you know Ronnie. Ronnie, are you in the room? He's fired. <laughs> Just kidding. No, just kidding. He, I, I, there's something about Ronnie. When he showed up here, probably about 10, 11 years ago, 
He showed up at a water baptism service, actually, back when we were at the Ben Garza house. For the, some of you who knew, we, we, we had a little place there, and we would office out of there when we didn't have anywhere else to be as a new church, and we, we would do baptism services there out under the trees in horse troughs. Now we're all fancy. Got an actual baptismal. But I loved, I loved meeting Ronnie, and if you would have seen him, if you would have seen the guy who was full of sadness, depression, his hair was just like just this scraggly mess. He was, just, he was just this guy who exuded kind of a sense of desperation. You seen Ronnie around here? He no longer exudes that. He exudes Service, help, love, peace, strength. That's Ronnie Thompson. He's about to get married. That's a miracle. But I love what Jesus has done, and Ronnie will tell you his story. That's Jesus. Jesus did that. Jesus did that when he started to get in touch with resurrection life. And he knew about Jesus before, but he had to meet the resurrected Christ, not just the thing he'd been taught or the thing that he knew about in his head. You see, those are different things. And so when we witness the reality of the resurrection, it changes our paradigm about how we think of life. And I want to remind you of that today. I want to remind you that there is more. Everybody say more. There is more for you, more for me, and more for the people who need Jesus. And frankly, we have to live that out. We have to live out that resurrection, life, and power. Every one of those disciples, every one of those guys that Jesus picked... They have a story. They were, they were willing to give their lives for the message of the gospel. It's the same story for each of us that follow Jesus. They witnessed the reality and it changed their paradigm about what was possible and it had dramatic results of miracles and power and people coming to Jesus. But it also ended for each of them in a way that proved they were willing to give it all. John was boiled in oil and then exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross. James was beheaded. Philip was imprisoned and crucified. Nathaniel was cruelly beaten and crucified upside down. Thomas was impaled with a spear. Matthew was killed with a pickaxe. <laughs> what? James the less was beaten, stoned, and had his head bashed in with a hammer. Thaddeus and Simon were crucified. The apostle Paul was beheaded in Rome. Nobody willingly dies for something that they know is false. That's what Lee Strobel said, and others like him have said it. 
And it didn't stop with these guys. The same transformation in people's lives has continued for 2,000 years. In fact, in 1837, three young Methodist ministers, James Calvert, John Hunt, and Thomas Jagger, they and their wives set out from England to go to the Fiji Islands. And the Fiji Islands was a difficult assignment in those days. The work there was only three years old and they hadn't seen hardly any fruit. In fact, the people were still cannibals. They were still eating humans. Hardly any fruit during their first few years of service. They, they went there and they're working. But then in 1845, revival swept through the islands. Chief Takombu, who had been the main opponent of the mission, he'd, he'd, he'd resisted. Suddenly he was converted to Christ. And within a few years, a complete transformation of the islands happened. It had taken place over, uh, over a few years, but the message had gotten rooted in the people. The gospel had taken a hold. And here's what's so interesting. The captain of the ship that had brought them to the Fiji Islands tried to talk them out of it. There will always be somebody who tries to talk you out of giving everything. Doesn't even make sense. Your own self-talk will try to talk you out of it. Giving in, he told Calvert, he said, you will lose your lives and the lives of those with you if you go among such savages. Calvert replied, we died before we came here. We died before we came here. See, what this tank represents is the giving up of your life. And we need to be in touch with that thought today. All of us who are not being baptized need to remember the day when we were and what that signified to us. That we were willing to give it all. In fact, some of you might be here today and you didn't plan on being water baptized. I want you to know When Jesus touches your heart, when he's working on something from the inside out, you should obey. So I want to welcome you. We got clothes. We got all kinds of stuff. I know all you ladies like, my hair. We got hair dryers. We got got makeup. We got stuff. We got clothes. That was very sexist. I'm so sorry. Some of you men are like that too. <laughs> but listen, but listen, here's what, I, here's what I wanna say to you. The message that we're talking about here is the foundational message of the gospel. What, this, what I'm talking about today, what we're doing today is foundational and it is one of the most important things that anyone can do to step into the waters of baptism and say, I'm gonna identify with Christ. I'm gonna give up everything. I'm gonna give my life. You see, the issue was already settled for those missionaries. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 16, 24. He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. See, here's the, here's the problem, you guys. It's one thing to live for Jesus. It's another thing to be prepared and willing to give up everything for him. Those are two different things. 
So the question isn't, what are you living for? The real question is, what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to give up or lose for him? You need to identify with that. See, here's the problem. <laughs> here's the problem. Most of us deal with our faith. We approach our faith like we're um, looking for a cell phone contract. I've been trying to, you know, I've, I've had like eight cell phones in my family that I pay for for many, many years. And, you know, they keep, they keep, going, they keep leaving the family and every time I get a, a raise because I don't pay for another phone. And so I was, I've, been, <laughs> I've been searching for a contract, but here's how, we, here's how we look for a cell phone contract, right? I want to get the most out of it, out of this life, but I don't want to pay too much. I want the best I can get now, right? Like, I, I want it, but I want to give up as little as possible. Are we like, give me the uninterrupted service. <laughs> give, me, give me the highest downloads and speeds available, but the lowest possible cost. And we miss the central idea of our Christian faith. We miss it to lay down your life and to surrender. Everybody say surrender. Surrender to the leadership of Jesus in everything. John 12, 24 says, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, everybody say those words with me. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What Jesus is saying here is when you allow resurrection, life, and power to come into you, when you give up, when you give up your life, when you're willing to give up your life like a seed and let it die, your ownership of your life no longer the point of your whole life. You give it up, you let it go, you get in touch with the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. What happens is resurrection, power, and life starts to come out of you and affect other people. It starts to project out. It starts to multiply. There is a multiplying effect of resurrection, life, and power. Which is why every church in this city should grow. Every church in this city, in this country, should grow. And yet, over the last 20, 30 years, steady decline in those who believe in what Jesus did. We have to look at ourselves today and ask the question, are we in touch with resurrection life and power on a daily basis? Do we have a paradigm where we live out of that paradigm? This is the thing about giving up everything. See, death isn't final in the God's kingdom. Death is just the beginning. In God's kingdom, new life comes through a laying down of your life. And so the word baptism is actually baptizo. That's the original language word that's used in the scripture. And it means to plunge, to dip, to immerse in water. 
Look at how the Apostle Paul describes this in Romans 6. I love the modern day message Bible. I want you to read it with me. They're going to put it on the screen. He says, so what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life and a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. This is the work of Christ in a person. In fact, water baptism is an outward sign of the inward work of Christ in a person. A new creation. Listen, here, listen. Everybody who's going to get in this tank today, there's already something happening in them. The new creation is already starting. Christianity is an inside-out job, not an outside-in. You can't just do all the rules. I'm a Christian, I need to do this. No, it starts inside. It changes you way down deep on the inside, and then God starts working his way out. And for some of you, that's painful. Let me rephrase. For all of us, that's painful. Because he's working his way out. He's, he's a, and because we've gone through the waters of baptism, we're in touch with the idea that we've got to die to ourselves every day. Every day. It's not just a one-time thing I did a long time ago. I never have to think about it again. No, you have to think about resurrection, life, and power every day. You have to think about it every day. You can't just think about it when we do this. That's why it's significant that Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can brag. I did this. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Ronnie walking around, ushering people. Yeah, I'm pretty awesome. Nothing could be further from resurrection, life, and power. Because here's the thing. You gotta embrace humility to lay down your life. You gotta embrace the the lowest of the low. You gotta be willing to say, all right, I give it up. What I think is no longer the most important. What Jesus thinks is the most important. What the word of God says is most important. And we got some work to do. I really wonder if some of you here today might need to take your next step. If you've never been water baptized, I want you to take that step today. I don't want you to do it because I'm preaching so good. I want you to do it. I want you to do it. Stop it. I want you to do it. I want you to do it because I want you to do it because it is a step that you always remember. See, some of you are sitting here and you've forgotten what that step was like. You've forgotten to get in touch with resurrection life every day. And, and by the way, it's the reason that we don't do infant baptisms, 
right? We do something called baby dedication. That's what we believe because we believe that water baptism is an act of your will. Surrender. You surrender your will to Jesus. And we're all in a process of surrendering our will to Jesus. That's why Jesus said, we've already read the scripture, you gotta deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow. And so what happens is, you don't need to get water baptized every day. That water baptism was good. You just gotta get back in touch with what it was all about. You see, so, so we have to understand what's happening here and get in touch with it because God's already doing a work in our hearts He's already done a work in our hearts. And water baptism is a declaration of obedience and surrender. It's one of the first things Jesus says to do. Did you know that Jesus himself did it? Jesus, Jesus probably didn't even have to do it. He was like sinless. He was like super holy. Not super holy, extra holy. Uh, all holy. <laughs> Like, like he didn't necessarily have to, but you know what he did? He modeled it for you and me. What he modeled was obedience and surrender. Here, let's read about it. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. Hey, hey, there will always be somebody trying to talk you out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, John said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. Oh, that's the verse for you. Some of you this morning. You need to carry out all that God requires. Not just water baptism, but all that God requires in your life. Stop dabbling in that secret stuff. Stop messing around on the side. Stop doing whatever you want to do and then come into Sunday and try to clean it up. Get in touch with water baptism with resurrection, life, and power every day. Every day. So John agreed to baptize him, and after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened up, and saw the, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly beloved Son, who brings me great joy. Look what Jesus would have missed if he let John talk him out of it. The work of God's Spirit. That's, that's where I believe that, that the Spirit of God came on him to do what he was about to do in ministry, what God had called him to do, and he was baptized. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you and me. After these guys get out of the tank, you know what? They're going to go through this little door right here, and they're going to they're, they're be identified with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, then they're going to go out here, and they're going to uh, have a whole prayer team lay their hands on them and, and pray for them to be filled with the Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the key to living every day. Matthew 28, 19. This is the great commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the... Look how quick it happens. Go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to what? Oh, that's the hard part. That's the hard part. To obey everything I've commanded, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. See, some of you are still working it out. I'm still working it out. We're, in some way, we're all still working it out, right? Like, like, like that's what a life of faith is. If you don't, <laughs> if you get up in the morning and you just do whatever you want, there's no need, f that's like, like, 
you got to have denial. Like, I want stuff. And as a Christian, I come to face-to-face with that every day, and I say, Jesus, I want to surrender to you. So I'm going to turn the other cheek. That person is being an idiot. But I'm not going to get mad at him. I'm not going to respond in anger. See, it takes, it takes self-denial, and it takes daily embrace of a resurrection paradigm. Because if death <laughs> has been defeated all the way down here, if death has, has no power over you, then anything's possible. You can actually treat your idiot boss nicely. So, here we are. Got to finish up. Three big baptism ideas. Three big baptism ideas. Number one, baptism is personal. It's you identifying with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. We become like Jesus when we step into these waters. And we identify with it. Jesus said in Luke 9, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple, deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow. This is personal every day. Faith has to be part of this process. The act, here's what happens. The act of baptism demonstrates that you have faith and then the actual faith encourages the next act to live every day with this. Do you see it? You got, it takes faith to get in <laughs> and then it takes faith to get out. It takes faith that resurrection, life, and power is living in you because tomorrow you'll wake up and there won't be no preacher there saying, you can do it. You need the Holy Spirit. You need resurrection, life, and power. Jesus living within you. That's how it works. Baptism represents you dying to yourself and rising with Christ. Number two, everybody say number two. Baptism is communal. Here's the thing about this community thing. You guys are all sitting here. This is the best celebration we'll have all year. Should be. Because this life-changing transformation is why we're here. And we want more people to experience it. This is why we have marriage ceremonies and not just marriages. This is why we wear a wedding ring, right? I wear this wedding ring and I teach all our married couples, I wear this thing because I'm proud of who I belong to. I was bought with a price. (laughs) Baby, I love you. I'm so grateful that you're with me. And I wear this proudly. See, it was a private decision to give my life to her but it's a public declaration that this ring is all about. I want people to know it. We often say baptism is going public with your faith, and I just wanna encourage you, we need to go public. We need to go public with our faith, and I believe that in the coming years, we will have to do a better job at being public with our faith. We're gonna have to speak with more clarity. We're gonna have to act with more integrity if we're gonna do what Jesus wants us to do. And that means resurrection, life, and power has to be evident and resident in the way you see the world. Number three, baptism is spiritual. Oh, let me say something about baptism communal. You ever notice you can't baptize yourself? (laughs) You can't baptize yourself. You need people to help you. This journey of faith needs people on the journey with you. We're here. You're all here for them. And they're joining this journey of faith. And so so you have this 
blessing to have other people who will help you, but you also are making yourself accountable. Not only do you have encouragement, but you have people standing around challenging and saying, hey, 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 I saw you, I saw you baptized. This is not how, this is not how baptized people act. Get back in touch with who you are, who Jesus has made you to be. Number three, baptism is spiritual. It is supernatural. It is transformation. It's not just a symbol. It's got Holy Spirit power. Romans 8, 11 through 14 says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Here's what water baptism means. Water baptism means the Holy Spirit takes over. Water baptism means God takes over. He's in charge of every decision. He's in charge of everything in your life. His Holy Spirit's the one who whispered to you and say, don't do that. His Holy Spirit will give you the ideas that you need on your business. His Holy Spirit will be the one who will protect you from the onslaught of the enemy. Baptism is about moving from life in the flesh, just you, just what you think, just how you feel, just what you want to do, to life in the Spirit, which means you do whatever He wants you to do. 